there! You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 49, More Than Just a Nice Idea. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everyone. Welcome to the podcast today and thanks so much for being here. I was thinking the other day I was talking with a friend from church a few months ago and I happened to work with her son in my primary calling at the time and she told me that she'd been driving with him in the car and happened to be listening to this podcast and she said that her son sat there listening for a few minutes and then said, hey, I know that voice and he recognized that it was indeed Sister Jones, one of his primary leaders and I thought that was just the best. I loved that he was able to put that together. He is one of the sweetest kids I've ever met, and I just love his whole family. And so that just really made my day when she told me that story. So Tanner, if you happen to be listening with your mom again, here's a little shout out to you. Okay, let's jump right in it today. Um, This is actually an episode I really wanted to record back in December, but I had so much going on, it just didn't happen. So I was thinking about Easter coming and... Um, you know, next week, the week leading up to it, I thought this would be a good time to put it out there. Easter's always been my very favorite holiday ever since I can remember. I just love everything about it. The fact that it's springtime, although spring seems to be a little late this year. Um, And I've always loved the traditions, the beautiful pastel colors everywhere. And I personally think that Easter candy is the best candy of the year. (laughs) And this year, there's a little bonus. Um, Easter this year happens to fall on my birthday. That's never happened before. And I've kind of been waiting for this my whole life. So there are lots of reasons for me to love this holiday, but truly most of all, um, I love the opportunity to reflect on Jesus Christ and his atonement and his resurrection and the power and hope that it brings into our lives. And we have got spring break coming up next week. So I thought I'd get this out before I've got everybody at home (laughs) and the craziness sets in because I really wanted to get it out before Easter. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Just some of the things that I've learned about how aligning ourselves with um, the teachings of the Savior can really transform us. And it really is the answer to so many of the challenges that we face in this life. So the title of this podcast um, came from a quote that I ran across a few years ago in one of the church's Come Follow Me manuals, which I absolutely loved. It said, The teachings of Jesus Christ are not just a beautiful philosophy to ponder. They are much more than that. They are meant to change our lives. So one of the most profound realizations I had several years ago when I first started studying, you know, mental health and kind of positive psychology, emotional wellness, all of that, is that one of the best ways to find genuine peace and hope and happiness and joy in this life is to follow and apply the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I believe that is why he invites us to follow him. He knows the psychological and emotional benefits of doing as he did and nurturing within ourselves the divine attributes of our heavenly parents that he so beautifully spent his life exemplifying. He taught us to have patience with ourselves and with others and with God's will and timing. He teaches us that humility isn't a sign of weakness, but that it can open us up to learning and growth and connection. He teaches that forgiveness is the way to true peace and healing when our hearts and our lives feel broken. He taught us to have faith in ourselves and in our abilities to accomplish our own personal ministries and missions here on earth. 
even when we are met with misunderstanding, criticism, or doubt. He showed us that charity, that pure, unconditional love of God, is the most powerful force in the world for good. His teachings aren't always easy to apply, and with our human minds and our carnal tendencies, they don't generally come naturally to us. But in my experience, it's the times when the teachings and the attributes of the Savior are the hardest to apply that I personally need them most. The teachings of Jesus Christ aren't just a nice suggestion. They aren't just good advice. They are meant to guide our daily thoughts and actions and to help us to to achieve real peace and lasting joy. They are meant not only to save us, but to change us. His teachings are divinely designed to transform us into new creatures with new minds, new hearts, new perspectives, new desires, and new lives. It's such a gift. Uh, The other night, my family and I were watching um, the new season of The Chosen, which is a series based on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And the first episode of this new season begins with the Sermon on the Mount. And it was interesting to see how people reacted to this, you know, groundbreaking message from the Savior, not just how inspired they were by his invitation to this new way of acting and being, but also the contrast that these teachings were to the laws and the ways of thinking and acting that they were used to hearing about. They were used to the law of Moses, right? An eye for an eye, strict measurable rules of conduct. But what Christ was introducing was a new, higher way of thinking, feeling, acting, and being. He was showing us through his example what it looks like to cultivate and grow those characteristics of our heavenly parents within ourselves. And it's certainly a higher way than what is offered to us and modeled for us in the world today, right? The world doesn't teach patience. It teaches instant gratification. The world doesn't teach humility or forgiveness or abundance. It encourages pride and grudges and scarcity. If we want to live up to our true natures as spirit children of God, I believe that we need to study the life and teachings of his perfect son and seek to make his thoughts our thoughts and his ways our ways. Doing this naturally brings us into alignment with God. And so we are going to explore today how doing this can actually lead us to increase spiritual, psychological, and emotional wellness. M. Catherine Thomas, in her book, The God Seed, talks about how our spirits don't really feel at home in this fallen world. She says, like our Savior, though to a lesser degree, we condescended to come to a fallen world, having agreed to submit to a considerable reduction in our pre-mortal powers. As we came to earth, separated from the presence of heavenly parents, we died spiritually. And now with memory veiled and much reduced from our pre-mortal estate, somewhat as aliens in a world that is hostile to our spiritual natures, we may carry an insecurity, a self-pain that pervades much of our emotional life. The Lord Jesus Christ himself is that consolation, that compensation designed from the foundation of the world to comfort the human pain of fallenness, to compensate men and women for their earthly reductions and sacrifices. Only the atonement or more expressly, the at-one-ment, can heal the pain of the fall. And in his talk in October 2022 General Conference called Overcome the World and Find Rest, President Russell M. Nelson also addressed the pain that comes from living in this fallen world with our carnal tendencies. He said, We are presently living in what surely is a most complicated time in the history of the world. The complexities and challenges leave many people feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. 
He then listed several of what he calls the spiritually and emotionally exhausting plagues of the world. Things like arrogance, pride, anger, immorality, hatred, greed, jealousy, and fear. I think these are all so good. And in addition to President Nelson, the ones President Nelson listed, I thought about some of the habits, um, the carnal tendencies that have left me personally feeling spiritually and emotionally and even physically exhausted. Things like anxiety, comparison, perfectionism, low self-worth, people-pleasing, putting my emotional well-being into someone else's hands. Think about some of the things that drag you down and leave you feeling overwhelmed and drained mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. What emotions do you experience on a regular basis that are leaving you feeling overwhelmed and exhausted? When you really stop to think about each of these, I love that President Nelson uses the words plagues. <laughs> and in using that word, I think he's telling us it's not just you, right? You're not the only one who struggles with these things. These are universal human tendencies. But when you really stop to think about how succumbing to fear or jealousy or anger or pride can cause us to be distracted, overwhelmed, and even exhausted, we begin to understand why taking on the attributes of the Savior, things like kindness, humility, patience, love, forgiveness, these habits and ways of being will give us the mental and emotional rest that we crave. President Nelson goes on to say, despite the distractions and distortions that swirl around us, you can find true rest, meaning relief and peace, even amid your most vexing problems. I love that the prophet uses this word rest, and here are some of the definitions I found under under rest in the dictionary. It means to be free from anxiety or disturbance, to be fixed or supported, to have confidence in, to trust. So when I think of these definitions in relation to the Savior and what he has promised to us when we have faith in and follow him, I am reminded of how much I need his influence every day of my life. He helps me to find freedom from anxiety and all kinds of other emotions that drag me down and stop me in my tracks. He gives me strength and support as I make choices and experience failure and success and learning and growth. And exercising confidence in him helps me to feel more confident in facing my own obstacles and challenges. Now, as I mentioned earlier, one of the most profound realizations I had when I started studying the brain and psychological and emotional wellness several years ago was that following the Savior, doing the things that he invites and encourages us to do, are actually the tenets of spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical health. And I do want to insert here that we do live in a fallen world with fallen mortal bodies. And so diseases of the mind and body are a very real thing. And we shouldn't just assume that we can simply pray them away or that if we struggle with these things, it's because we're not being Christ-like enough. There's certainly a place for things like medication and therapy. And we are so blessed to live in a time when we have these options and so much help is available to us. So please, if you feel like you are suffering and that you could benefit from this kind of help, by all means, go and get it. But I do believe that many of our problems that aren't related to chemical imbalances or other challenges of that nature have a lot to do with the state of our spiritual minds and lives. Sister Patricia Holland, in a talk given at BYU in 1984, shared the following insight. She said, I recently read the experience of a physician of another faith who was discharged from military service. He reported an alarming change in his civilian patients after being away from them for some time. He said, Upon my return from the army, I noticed a change in my previous patients' troubles. 
I found that a high percentage do not need medication, but better minds. They are not sick in their bodies so much as they are sick in their thinking and emotions. They are all mixed up with fear, inferior feelings, guilt, and resentment. I found that in treating them, I needed to be about as much a psychiatrist as an internist. And then I discovered that not even those therapies helped me fully do my job. I became aware that in many cases, the basic trouble with people was spiritual. Sister Holland goes on to say, No one was more aware than this physician that medical science is needful. But as he pointed out, fear controls us when faith is not exercised. I've always loved that. So years ago, I remember reading a book by Martin Seligman, who is one of the leading authorities in the field of positive psychology and mental and emotional well-being. And in his book, Authentic Happiness, he talks about how many of us try to achieve positive feelings through what he calls shortcuts to feeling good, meaning things that give us a temporary dopamine hit. Things like food, shopping, binging Netflix, uh, playing video games, scrolling social media, things that we in the coaching world call buffering or distracting ourselves from negative emotion. And these things aren't all inherently bad, but they aren't things that lead to real authentic happiness either. So Dr. Seligman says that the positive emotions that arise from the exercise of our strengths and virtues are much more authentic and last much longer than those temporary fleeting emotions that come from the shortcuts. And he goes on to relate an experience that he had um, with one of his classes after someone in the class had posed the question of whether happiness comes from the exercise of kindness more readily than it does from having fun. So he asked his students to engage in one pleasurable activity and one philanthropic or service-oriented activity, and then to write about both. And Dr. Seligman later said of this experiment, he said the results were life-changing. The afterglow of the pleasurable activity, hanging out with friends, watching a movie, eating a hot fudge sundae, paled in comparison with the effects of the kind action. When our philanthropic acts were spontaneous and called upon personal strengths, the whole day went better. The exercise of kindness is a gratification in contrast to a pleasure. When well-being comes from engaging our strengths and virtues, our lives are imbued with authenticity. And I think that's pretty amazing. It means all of the talks and the lessons I've heard in church about giving yourself in service to others, they weren't just these nice ideas, right? It's actually been scientifically proven that acts of kindness and generosity when coming from a genuine desire to serve, not from a place of feeling like, we have to or are supposed to, they induce the highest levels of positive emotion. They produce authentic happiness, joy, and emotional wellness. And I think it's no wonder that we see so much confusion and pain and suffering in a world that's full of ideas and messages and values that claim exactly the opposite. And there's sometimes um, a fine line, right? We hear a lot about standing up for yourself, not letting people take advantage of you, not saying yes to something when you really mean no. And yeah, these are important things to learn, especially if you have the tendency to people please or you're doing things for others so they won't be disappointed in you or so that you'll receive praise. We have to be really in tune with what our motivations for our actions are because you can perform the same act of service with a feeling of obligation or resentment or with a genuine desire to use your time and talents to do good in the world. And even though the action might look the same, your experience of it will be completely different. So sometimes I hear this idea disparaged that um, just going out and serving others isn't going to magically fix our negative feelings. And 
I agree, but the reasons and motivations behind the things that we do say yes to and the things that we say no to are an important factor in what result that act of service brings into our lives. So I just love when I run across concepts that we hear in church that are supported by science and research as well. It's kind of that two witnesses thing, right? These are true principles. And kindness isn't the only virtue or Christ-like characteristic that's good for us. I did a little research a couple of years ago and found some really interesting information supporting this idea that nurturing the attributes of Christ will lead us to greater spiritual, psychological, emotional, and even physical health. It's like our minds and bodies and spirits have been pre-programmed to thrive when we are thinking and feeling and acting in these higher ways that Christ taught, right? And God created us, so he would know better than anyone the principles that would help us to thrive. This is his work. This is his ultimate goal for us. This is why he's given us commandments. I think it's interesting in Hebrew, the word commandment means God's way. He doesn't give us commandments um, to restrict or control us. They are not given to take away our agency, but actually to enhance it, to give us the opportunity to choose God's way so that we can become more like him. So I wanted to share with you just a few of these characteristics that we've been invited to nurture within ourselves and some of the scientifically proven benefits they give us. Not that we need to um, prove that they're true, but it just shows again that these aren't just some good suggestions someone thought up. I think this stuff is super interesting, and so I'm guessing if you listen to this podcast, you probably will too. So I know we already talked about kindness and generosity, but here's a quick quote I found from the American Psychological Association that goes along with what I've already shared. It says, giving of yourself, whether it be your time, energy, or money, isn't just a boon to those you're helping. A wealth of research shows that generosity can also have benefits for the giver, ranging from a better outlook at your job to more years of life. Psychologists have found that performing acts of generosity boosts happiness and well-being and is even linked to physical health benefits. Pro-social behavior towards friends, strangers, and oneself, and even observing or recalling kind acts have also been shown to increase well-being. Okay, the next attribute I wanted to share is that of forgiveness, which I think is probably one of the hardest for sure, especially when someone has deeply hurt us or someone that we love. Forgiveness can seem nearly impossible. But one definition that I love is that forgiveness is a decision to let go of resentment. And really, that's what it is. A decision about what we are going to feel, not how the other person is going to feel. It's not letting the other person off the hook or saying that what they did was okay. Sometimes I think we resist forgiveness because it seems like it's something we're doing for the person who hurt us. But forgiving someone doesn't mean that we have to feel great about what happened, right? That's not really the point. The benefits we get from letting go of resentment, from feelings of offense, of hatred, from holding grudges, those emotions that are keeping us stuck, um, letting those go is really for our benefit. And again, I know this isn't something new to you. I'm sure you've heard this many times before, but I wanted to read to you um, part of an article from Time Magazine about the advantages of forgiveness. As researchers looked at the effects of a lifetime of stress on a person's mental health and how more forgiving people fared compared to people who weren't so forgiving. To do this, they asked 148 young adults to fill out questionnaires that assess their levels of lifetime stress, their tendency to forgive, and their mental and physical health. No surprise, people with greater exposure to stress over their lifetimes had worse mental and physical health. But the researchers also discovered that if people were highly forgiving of both themselves and others, 
That characteristic alone virtually eliminated the connection between stress and mental illness. So forgiveness can lead to things like healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. So not only does forgiveness help you take back control of your life and your emotions from whoever or whatever harmed you, but letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Okay, next one is patience. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word patience, (laughs) I think of the experiment with the little kids and the marshmallows. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go Google it. There's some great videos out there that explain it. But The premise is that people who are able to exercise patience are actually much more happy and successful than those who aren't as patient. And this information comes from an article from Very Well Mind, which says patience is a predictor of our mental well-being. Those who can keep patience enjoy mental health benefits backed by science, including relief of depression, higher levels of life satisfaction, lower levels of anxiety, more positive emotions like empathy and love. They cultivate better relationships, and they cope better with stressful situations. So these are all good reasons to work on being more patient. And interestingly enough, I've noticed that the more humility I am feeling in a situation, the more patient I become. And I think those two really kind of go hand in hand. And the last attribute I wanted to share with you, these certainly aren't the only attributes, by the way. I just picked a few to share. But the last one I wanted to highlight today is charity or love. And this is from Dr. Robert Enright, um, and I believe it's from an article that he wrote for Psychology Today. He says, one underemphasized area of self-care is the daily practice of loving others. Do you want to take better care of yourself? Then consider extending your love to others. Do you want to recover more quickly from a physical challenge? Then add love to your rehab workouts. Do you want to recover more quickly from others' insensitivity or deliberate ignoring or even cruelty? then choose love over resentment. The mark of good psychological health is to work and to love. Now, I want to go back to that talk from President Nelson that I referred to earlier. He said, as we strive to live the higher laws of Jesus Christ, our hearts and our very natures begin to change. The Savior lifts us above the pull of this fallen world by blessing us with greater charity, humility, generosity, kindness, self-discipline, peace, and rest. I don't know anyone who doesn't want more of these things in their lives. And we can see from these articles and studies that science gives us evidence of the physical, emotional, and psychological benefits of nurturing and growing these Christ-like traits and attributes within ourselves. I've always loved the analogy of the acorn and the oak tree. Have you ever seen a big, beautiful oak tree? When, um, When my husband and I got married, my in-laws lived in this beautiful little town of Mapleton, Utah, and their house was on this perfect piece of land tucked up against the mountains. One of my favorite parts of this house was the trees. They had this little orchard with about 16 fruit trees, and on their property, there were also a couple of these big, gorgeous oak trees. And it was amazing to me to think that each of these magnificent trees started out as a tiny little acorn seed. Have you ever held an acorn in your hand? It's pretty amazing to think that Everything that acorn needs to grow into a mighty oak tree is contained within the DNA of that tiny seed. So just like an acorn was created to become a big, beautiful oak tree, your heavenly parents created you to become like them. 
And everything you need to achieve this is already inside of you. It's already a part of you. You don't have to go looking outside of yourself or become somebody you're not to reach your divine potential. These godly attributes and characteristics are all inside of you. Your work is to nurture and care for and develop them so that they will expand and grow and help you become all you were created to be. I love this analogy so much that I actually found a necklace with a tiny little acorn charm on it and I wear it to remind myself of this concept. To remember that these divine attributes that the Savior exemplified are already inside of me. They're already a part of me. My job is to nurture them, to practice them, to grow them. And this is the work of a lifetime, of eternity even. We don't need to get so down on ourselves when we aren't living up to everything we want to be. But I do think it's important to remember that we have so much potential. We have so much power and possibility inside of us, just waiting to be uncovered and utilized. And we have the atonement of the Savior to give us a clean slate when we make mistakes and to empower us to do more with him than we can do on our own. I've learned in all of this work of trying to become more intentional about my thoughts and my feelings and actions that I can either do it alone, which I have tried to do, (laughs) or I can do it with him. And one works much better than the other. So this Easter season, I want to challenge you to take a little time to reflect on ways that you can invite the Savior into your life to partner with him in this great work of changing your nature to be more like his. This work changes us in the best of ways, and it changes our marriages, our parenting, our relationships with ourselves and with God, and it changes the way that we show up in and experience every aspect of our lives. When we truly understand the power that this work has to transform us, all of the time and effort and intention it takes suddenly becomes completely worth it. So I hope you all have a wonderful week. Um, that you enjoy listening to General Conference this weekend and feel inspired by the messages you hear. And I especially want to wish you a very happy Easter week, um, that you are filled with the love and hope of the Savior and his life, his atonement, his death, his resurrection. He did it all for you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I'm excited for what's ahead for all of you, for the possibilities and the opportunities for learning and growth and becoming This is exciting work. It's not easy, but it's what we're here for. So if you'd like to dive deeper into the tools and principles we talk about on this podcast, I would love to chat with you. You can go to my website at Annette Jones Life Coaching to book a consult and find out what coaching is all about, or come on over and find me on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching. Uh, Just send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will be back with another episode for you soon. Have a good one. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to go to my website at AnnetteJonesLifeCoaching.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session where I'll help you see how the tools I teach on this podcast can be applied directly to your own personal challenges. You can also find information on classes I teach and get on my email list for a weekly dose of inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's AnnetteJonesLifeCoaching.com. I'll see you there.